0: What is up Divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host Brandon Gabor and before we get started remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at DeepDiveFF or on Instagram at Deep Dive fantasy Football. Also, if you are looking for more Dynasty content from me, join me and the Rewind team at Dynasty Rewind on YouTube and wherever you enjoy your podcasts where we dive deep into all things Dynasty Fantasy Football. With that being said, let's get to the content. All right, all right, here we go, baby. Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast. We are finally putting these projections to use we are getting into it and what i'm going to be doing for the next few podcasts is i because i know people have drafts coming up i know it's coming we are on the the road to championships we are on the road to glory this is the deep dive that you have been waiting for outside of the projections this is me giving you one. The rankings, I'm going to give you a position at the start of the next four episodes. Today, we're going to do quarterbacks. I'm going to give you the position and break it down. And then I'm going to give you a live look into how I'm drafting, what I'm thinking, what's going through my mind, all that stuff from a specific draft slot that will be different every podcast. And then once we finish those, we will get into some super flex takes and I will be getting into sleepers and all that stuff. So we're gonna start with the quarterbacks first. I'm excited. I hope you guys are as excited as me. We're gonna break down the quarterbacks and we're gonna start, or I'm gonna start by explaining one, where I have them ranked in the draft sheets, right? And and how I have them ranked statistically versus how I will actually draft them, how I, I rank them when it comes to my draft order. And we're gonna talk through that. So at number one, I have quarterback Josh Allen. Okay, everybody knows the top three. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, which is funny because many times when people have like a consensus group at the top, once I do my projections, my group doesn't actually fall in line with the consensus. However, I do have those three at the top and I think they can be ordered any way. But my preference is not Josh Allen to be at one. So Josh Allen is one in my statistical projections, right? He has 426 projected points. Jalen Hurts is my number two who has 425 and Patrick Mahomes is number three with 424. So they are all one point away from each other. That did not happen um, on purpose. It was complete accident, complete coincidence, but that's how it worked out. So let's talk about Josh Allen. I expect him to be one of the better quarterbacks, obviously, but I'm not going to take him at one for two factors. One, in my, and I I do this for a reason, it's not just because I'm lazy, obviously, hopefully you guys know me by now, and you know that's not the case, but I don't put interceptions in my projections. I don't do that for two reasons. One, they're not that easy to project year to year, that's number one, and two, and this is really the real reason, because I don't have a problem trying to project something that's difficult, but... Number two, which is the main reason, that people have point differences for interceptions, like out the wazoo. Like some some leagues are minus one for an interception, some are minus two, some are minus three, some I've seen go all the way to minus four. So I don't want to count a projection in there where it affects the total points of my quarterbacks in the in the sheets because it's going to make it unreliable and it's not going to be as. Um, applicable to everybody's leagues so i leave interceptions out and i always mention that at the, the starter projections if you guys you know listen to my first few projections episodes you probably remember that and i always remind you guys now because that is something that i want to have in the back of your mind if you're ever looking at my sheets or anything like that so josh allen he is gonna throw more interceptions than jalen hurts and patrick Mahomes. given that i only have him projected one point more if you're, you're in a league that disc or um, punishes you for interceptions at all, then Josh Allen should be a QB three, in my opinion. That's one reason. The other reason Josh Allen is not going to be my quarterback one is because when I'm actually drafting, is because he plays the Patriots in the final championship game. When you're trying to take it home, you, you, you get all the way there. You get to the finals. It's you and one other guy, two people left standing, And then you're looking at the matchups and Josh Allen is playing the Patriots and you're not going to feel good about it because the Bills have an outdoor stadium and the Patriots have an outdoor stadium. The finals in fantasy playoffs are during the winter. That is not going to be great for Josh Allen. Also, not only, I mean, he still does good in winter games, but not only that, it's just the Patriots. It's a division rival. Division games are generally lower scoring on average than just random team games and not only are they usually lower scoring, but the Patriots specifically always have one of the best defenses in the NFL. That is like one of the more consistent things in football is that the Patriots will have a good defense because of Bill Belichick. And that's gonna continue. I don't know why it wouldn't. It's stayed steady for years and years and years. So those are the two things that make me put Josh Allen at three out of the top three quarterbacks. So who's my number one? My number one's gonna be Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes both are very, very Um, Reluctant, not reluctant, but they're just risk averse in terms of interceptions. They're not, you know, Mahomes will make risky, what people would say risky throws, but to them, to him, they're not risky. You know, that's something he can do, something he can make. He does it all the time. And Jalen Hurts doesn't really make risky throws. So both of these guys, they're kind of about on the same level when it comes to interceptions. I already have Hurts projected for one point more, but also the main thing that puts me uh, in the Hurts camp and why I have Hurts as my number one quarterback this year is going back to that finals. And when we're looking at the finals, he has not a great schedule this year overall. And actually him, Allen and Mahomes, their schedules, their strength of schedule for quarterbacks and fantasy grayed out pretty similarly. So that's a nice wash. But in the finals, Philly has the Cardinals. The Cardinals are going to be in the running for the number one overall spot, they are currently projected to own the number one and the number two overall pick in next year's draft. And because of that, I do not see why we should expect Arizona to be good or have a reason to play or have anything to play for. They are not, they're going to be struggling. They're going to have a bad defense, and Philly's going to have their way. And it's going to be towards the end of the season. And because Philly has a tougher schedule— They will not be resting people towards the end of the season because they're going to be fighting for that number one spot so they can get that bye week. So they're going to go all out against Arizona, and Arizona is not really going to have much motivation to work with. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the league, and they already have a bad defense. That's a beautiful matchup for your finals, and that's why Jalen Hurts is going to be my number one quarterback. And then Mahomes, and it's really just because they're all so close. Like I don't usually look at stuff like that, but when I need a tiebreaker, I do and it was actually you know very eye opening Patrick Mahomes his playoff final opponent is the Cincinnati Bengals and if there's one team in the NFL who has had the Chiefs number as they say it's been the Bengals the Bengals are 3 and 1 against the Chiefs and generally they they keep the Chiefs on the softer the lower side of scoring compared to what the Chiefs usually do so that's not a great matchup for Mahomes either So because of that, Jalen Hurts is my number one, Patrick Mahomes would be my number two, and then Josh Allen. Now, with that said, we are discussing the quarterback position. I don't generally find myself drafting these three people, and it's because of this, where they're going in the draft. Allen Hurts and Mahomes are pretty much always available for the people who, who pick in spot one through four. They're either getting taken in the back end of the second, or which is pretty early, too early for my like or the top of the third. Well, if you're drafting there, that means you're on that 4-5 turn. You're, you know, when you're getting the back of the fourth round and the top of the fifth round on your picks. And I much prefer Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson, who are, for me, in the same tier as Allen, Hertz, and Mahomes two rounds later. I much prefer Fields or Jackson. If you want to go quarterback high, if you're somebody who likes to go quarterback early, you want to secure that spot, I would much rather grab Fields or Jackson in the fourth or fifth round on that turn. And even if you miss out on them, that's fine because I I usually always miss out on quarterbacks. It's fine. It's never really killed me. I always find my way through. Now, I do think we have a better understanding and a much better ranking of the quarterbacks this year than, than what I've seen in the past. Usually my projections... Um, And I think people are just starting to appreciate running quarterbacks a lot more. That's really the reason why, because my projections always would bear out the running quarterbacks much higher than they were being ranked. And that's where I would always grab guys like, you know, Lamar, Hurts, all those guys. I would grab them when their ADP was way too low. Um, We don't really have that benefit right now. Anthony Richardson's probably the only one who we're going to get to, except he's ranked pretty much where I think he should be, which we'll talk about. So my one, two, three. In order are Hertz, Mahomes, and Allen. Then we've got Fields and Jackson at four and five in the same tier for me. Justin Fields I have at four hundred and eleven fantasy points. That's only thirteen points less than what I have Mahomes at. So basically a point per game difference. And Fields is the only quarterback that is ranked inside the top twenty that has a good schedule for quarterbacks, like a perfect. Schedule Kirk Cousins has a decent schedule, Anthony Richardson, Russell Wilson have decent schedules, and that's pretty much it. Everybody else then either has an average schedule, a bad schedule, or a horrible schedule that are inside the top 20 rankings for quarterbacks. Fields is the only one, he's one of two or sorry, one of three quarterbacks this year, (coughs) excuse me, this year that have a green schedule. That means five star, five out of five. It's the easiest schedule you can imagine, partly because of his division and because you know the bears are one of the teams in his division that have a better defense than let's say like the vikings and maybe the lions we'll see i think their defense is going to get a little bit better but and that's why jordan love is another one of the three quarterbacks that has a green schedule because the packers have a good defense in that division the rest are bad and then they have easy opponents from the afc this year so Looking at Fields, I do think he has potential to be the QB1. That's why he's in this tier with the top three and same as Lamar Jackson. I don't think anybody outside of my first tier have the potential to finish as quarterback one unless the guys in that first tier, which we're talking about right now, get hurt or something like that, or they lose their top target or something happens in that manner. Justin Fields for me is my quarterback four in the projections, and that is also how I am drafting him. I will draft him above Lamar Jackson, mainly because of the schedule being much easier, and because of the fact that Rashad Bateman, for Lamar, is still yet to really get on the field and start practicing, and his health is something that will affect Lamar's passing efficiency and the potency of that passing attack which should be a lot better than usual. So for me, Justin Fields is my QB4. I like him, he's one of my favorite guys to draft. He is in bold on the draft sheets for that reason. He's got huge upgrades, an amazing schedule, and he's the last guy in ADP in the first tier, in my first tier. Most people, their first tier is just the top three. I think Fields and Jackson are honestly right on their tail. Lamar Jackson, I have also at 24.2 points per game. That's what I have Fields at. So they're pretty much the same they have the same amount of potential in my eyes I think Fields is a very good passer he just hasn't been able to show it yet in the NFL so I'm excited and those are my top 5 quarterbacks in order it's going to be Hertz, Mahomes Allen Fields Jackson I'm not really drafting the top 3 guys because they're going too high for my like or for my taste and I would much rather Fields or Jackson in the 4th or 5th round now my next tier is very small. Tier 2 quarterbacks, there's only two of them, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Now, hopefully Joe Burrow, you know, plays... Honestly, hopefully he plays when he's supposed to, when he's healthy. I hope he doesn't rush himself back for week one to be available and then re-injure himself. That is the worst thing that can happen. I would much rather him sit out a couple games, make sure he's 100%, and then come back. And Jamar Chase said the same thing himself. So that's what I'm hoping... Joe Burrow does, but Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, in that order, are my QBs 6 and 7. Joe Burrow, last year, he had 22.8 points per game with Jamar Chase, only 19 points per game without Jamar Chase. So Jamar Chase made a huge difference for Joe Burrow last year. I'm expecting him to have a great year, and he is somebody that's always going to have that potential to pop for like a 45 touchdown season because of his weapons, because of how good of a passer and processor he is mentally. He is a very good quarterback who just like Mahomes, I would say Mahomes, Herbert, and Burrow. Those are our, as of right now, those are our three quarterbacks that could pop for like a 45 to 50 passing touchdown season at any time. Those are the three. And that's why Herbert and Burrow are in this next tier because they have the potential to do it just like Mahomes, but Mahomes is just consistently better and he also runs a little bit more, not really, but he also has a much better offensive coach, like a, a better mind, and he's just very consistent. So that's why, I'm, and you know, Mahomes is the best. So that's why he's in a different tier from these guys. But I do think Herbert and Burrow are not that far off. They're in their own tier at in tier two. And I think that you get a good advantage of having them as a quarterback one, and they are also going... In that range just above fields and jackson i think what i've been seeing recently from average draft position the order these quarterbacks are going is the top three then usually herbert and burrow and then fields and jackson because i have fields and jackson in that first tier it's basically wiping away any chance that i would have a share of herbert or burrow just because they're going above those guys who i like more so they're always there for me fields and jackson so that's why i don't really have any herbert or burrow shares but they are my second tier of quarterbacks they have really good weapons, both of them. They have Both of them have three really good wide receivers, hopefully have good offensive coaching and schemes, and they have good arms, and they run a decent amount. You know, I have them both projected at 250 yards. Mahomes at 350. He runs a tiny bit more. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what they can do this year. The next tier is also very small. Three quarterbacks are in my tier three for the position. Trevor Lawrence is going to be my quarterback eight, and he is at the top of this tier. Then Deshaun Watson, and then Tua Tagovailoa at 10. So generally speaking, when we're talking about tiers, it's me saying that these guys are so close together, you could take them in any order you want. If you wanted to take, you know, I said Josh Allen is my QB3. If you wanted to take him first, I'm fine with it. If you wanted to take Lamar or Fields above the main three, Would I suggest it? No, but I don't think they're so far off that that would be egregious. So I have them in the same tier. I have them very similar to, uh, and very close to each other. So I wouldn't hate it. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, you could take them in any order. It's, it doesn't affect me. Same thing here in this third tier of quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, I will take above Deshaun Watson and Tua Tagovailoa. Tua, for me, it's really the the risk of injury and Deshaun Watson, It's the risk of what if he doesn't get back to what he was. Trevor Lawrence is the only one without extreme risk in this tier. And that's what's keeping him at the top for me. He also has a much easier schedule than what Watson and Tua have. Watson and Tua have much tougher schedules. They have a two out of five star schedule. So that is, that's not good. That is not good. Um, And Trevor just has an average three star schedule. So for me, we're looking for him to get better. This is basically his second year with a competent, NFL coach I mean what Urban Meyer did to that team was just absolutely destructive and like (laughs) probably made the players worse (laughs) somehow so he's out of there basically last year was the rookie year of Trevor Lawrence and so now he's going in to another season with this system now Calvin Ridley is back and I have him with a decent bump you know without the interceptions like I always say Trevor Lawrence last year had 19 points per game I have him projected at 21.5 so a 2.5 bump per game that's from natural development and from the addition of Calvin Ridley and that's why he's my quarterback eight then Deshaun Watson quarterback nine he's got a lot of weapons coming they have not made any additions to suggest that they still want to stay very run heavy they lost Kareem Hunt they didn't replace him they added Elijah Moore they drafted Cedric Tillman And they also recently drafted other guys last year. They added David Bell two years ago. They added Donovan Peoples-Jones. They still got Amari Cooper there. They still have Njoku there. They've got passing weapons. They have not added or replaced Kareem Hunt. They have not added a running back. So it's just Chubb there now. And I still think that they are going to like to run the ball. Also, Watson is probably going to get back to running a lot himself. And that will help keep their rush rate up there. But I do think they're going to have a shift passing a little bit more now. And I think he's going to be much better, much better than last year. Because, I mean, he was gone from football for two years. So that's a big deal. And then Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback 10 for me. He's got crazy weapons. He's got the fastest set of receivers we have ever seen on a football field together with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. They are uncoverable. It is absolutely ridiculous and not fair. It, It just really is not. And In addition to that, they have a possibly speedy running back now in Devon A chain, and they've got some other guys in the room who are fast and explosive like Raheem Mostert. And so when I'm looking at that team, I'm like, man, he's got a, a great surrounding, um, cast and the coach has been doing good Tua Has been very good when he's healthy. The only concern, and it's really a big concern is the health because he gets another concussion i don't know if the nfl is gonna just let him come back and play i'm pretty sure i, I should, probably should have researched this but i'm pretty sure that the nfl has like a limit on concussions um because i remember back in the day when we all loved jordan reed he was getting to the point where like Oh, if he has one more concussion, he's like out of the NFL kind of thing. And I'm pretty sure if that's still a thing, that two is pretty close to that. So that's one thing that's that's concerning to me. Also, I just I don't think his family or him, if he gets a couple more concussions, maybe even just one more, is really gonna see the value and benefit of continuing to play in the NFL. Because I know it was already something that they had a big discussion about. And, you know, if it just persists and there's not something that they can do to get rid of it to put on a bunch of weight hoping that would help this year um and it's not it doesn't look like bad weight. it looks pretty good um he's starting to look more like a a russell wilson build but not to that that degree but you know what i'm saying if if they're not able to you know squander that problem and it just continues i'm not sure if he'll keep playing so for me that's the risk with tua but if you're not worried about that or if you're fine with that risk Quarterback 10, let it rip. If you wanna put him above Watson, go for it. If you wanna put him above Trevor, okay, I get it, but I'm not doing that, I'll keep Trevor above him. That's the end of the third tier of quarterbacks then. For me, the fourth tier of quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins at 11, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, Anthony Richardson at 14, Russell Wilson at 15. Now, Kirk Cousins is pretty much the quarterback I'm drafting if I miss out on Fields or Lamar. If I miss out on Fields or Lamar around that four or five turn, basically if i'm drafting on the other side of the draft which you guys will see in future podcasts today we're going to draft from the one spot but in the future if i'm at like you know pick nine or something like that pick nine through 12 in that range and stuff like that i am not taking a stab at hurts mahomes or allen in the top of the second and they're not going to make it back to me and then fields and jackson pretty much are never going to make it back to me at the back of the fifth and i'm not going to take them at the top of the fourth so i mean maybe but probably not so i i pretty much always end up with Kirk cousins and sometimes i'll pair him with anthony richardson if somebody steals and snipes Kirk cousins from me i'll end up getting russell wilson so this is the next tier of quarterbacks that i dip my toe into pretty much it's fields or jackson for me in the first tier. otherwise i'm waiting until tier four of quarterbacks because that's where i find more value in the draft That's the point where I say, uh, the running backs here, the wide receivers here, they're all right. I don't don't mind pivoting and taking a quarterback. It's usually Kirk Cousins. That's why he's at the top of the tier for me. He's got the best wide receiver in the NFL, and he has another superb route-running wide receiver that they just drafted in the first round in Jordan Addison. Kirk Cousins also has a pretty decent schedule, four stars. He's one of not many quarterbacks that have a schedule like that. And honestly, he has belief or faith in him from that coaching staff and you could see that in the quarterback documentary on netflix if you guys haven't watched that and you have access to it i suggest you watch it it's very good and it's very eye-opening shows you a lot of cool things specifically about mahomes Kirk cousins and marcus mariota obviously one of those things is not like the others but Kirk cousins for me is um somebody that you you should be taking i mean he was good last year and the last like four years he has finished in the top 12 quarterbacks every single year and his weapons are just getting better they're they lost Alvin Cook so there's no way that they're going to start running the ball more all of a sudden they're going to keep being extremely pass heavy and because of that pass volume and the upgrade at weapons adding Jordan Addison because yeah they lost Thielen but Thielen was no longer the Thielen that we grew to love Kirk Cousins has got it going so I like him a lot he's my QB 11 Daniel Jones at 12 he would be higher for me But there's a big difference between what I believe Daniel Jones is this year and what other analysts and other people projecting and just in general believe Daniel Jones is. He had 700 rushing yards last year. Josh Allen, and that was with Brian Dable who came from the Bills, who was the offensive coordinator for the Bills and watched Josh Allen and built an offense that helped Josh Allen get to about 600, 700 yards every year rushing. And then Daniel Jones comes out and does the same thing. So a lot of people are just projecting that forward. I think there's a big difference. Josh Allen, one, chooses to run a lot more than Daniel Jones does, that's number one. Number two, Josh Allen is a better, stronger runner than Daniel Jones, and three, and and you, you could see that, I mean, Daniel Jones has never ran that much until last year. And three, now that there is more weapons for Daniel Jones to work with, that's gonna be the biggest thing that's gonna drive his rushing yards down. A lot of people, a lot of people and analysts are saying, Daniel Jones, Oh, he ran for 700 yards. That's what Brian Dable likes to do. He's going to do that again. He's going to be so good. He's going to run for 700 yards, and his passing is going to get more efficient because he got Darren Waller and this and this and this and this. I agree that his passing is going to be much more efficient, and I think that passing attack is going to be much better, and I love Darren Waller as a value, but if all of that stuff is getting better, why would he be running for 700 yards? Part of the reason he was running so much last year was because he didn't have good people to throw the ball to, and he didn't have people getting open often. Well, if that's changing, which we all believe, then why would he continue to rush for 700 yards? He's not the type of guy to do that. So that's why I only have him at 480 rushing yards. That's why I have him at QB 12. QB 13 for me is Geno Smith. I basically have him projected almost the exact same points per game as last year. He was just so good last year. It's hard for me to say, yes, I want to say he's going to get better because the the addition of Jackson Smith and Jigba and um, Zach Charbonnet, his name almost escaped me. Because of those two additions, mainly the JSN edition, I wanna say he's gonna get better, but we can't just always say a quarterback gets better or gets worse when they lose or add weapons. That's not how it works. I've learned that through four years of doing projections and seeing how they turn out at the end of every year. That's one of the things I've learned. When you see a quarterback have a season that is unlike their other seasons and is an outlier, and he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks last year, not just compared to his own history, but just all the quarterbacks in the league, it's not gonna get better than that. You don't have an outlier season and then improve upon it. That's just not something that happens. So I don't think that he has much room to grow from last year. He's a very good quarterback, I'm fine with him. As your QB1, if you kick or punt the position, and you know you just stack up everywhere else that's fine but for me he's more of like the ideal qb2 in a super flex league now then i have anthony richardson at 14 and then once once we finish this tier that that ends with russell wilson i'm gonna kind of just burn through the rest of the quarterbacks and then we'll get to the draft so russell wilson and anthony richardson are next anthony richardson for me he's gonna run a lot i have him at 918 rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns i expect him to run a bunch i have him just under 3,000 passing yards and 15 passing touchdowns basically won a game just under that that's also very close to what vegas has as his over unders so i'm feeling pretty good about my projections the difference between richardson and the other guys that run is a lot of these guys that run fields jackson all that stuff once they We're running to the degree of what we're expecting from Richardson. They had already developed some sort of passing attack and passing game. Anthony Richardson has yet to do that. The only people we've seen be really good in their rookie seasons, their rookie seasons that rushed the ball a lot, were like Cam Newton and RG3. And Cam Newton had his most efficient passing season in his entire NFL career as a rookie to pair with the rushing RG3 also was a much better passer in his rookie year than what we're expecting Anthony Richardson to be because of those two things. I don't have Anthony Richardson being super high. I think he's going to start off and he's going to be rough if he starts the season at all. I think he will. Some people don't think he will. I do. I expect him to start off from week one, but I don't expect it to look very pretty in the beginning. I think it'll get better and better as it goes, and I think he might get hot towards the playoffs. So that'll be good for you. However, overall, I don't even have him as a QB1 at 14. And then if you want to take him at QB11, that's the top of the tier right above Kirk Cousins, then that's fine. And then Russell Wilson is the last quarterback in this tier for me. This is the fourth tier of quarterbacks. He's my quarterback 15. I really just don't think that Russell Wilson is done. That's what it comes down to. If you think Russell Wilson's done and you think he's a bum, then you're going to have him a lot lower. I don't. I expect him to get better. His weapons are getting better his coaching is much better now and he's going to have a running game javante is supposedly looking really good already and they added some ajp right in there so they're they're going to have a run game to take pressure off the pass their defense is going to be good he's got Cortland sutton back jerry judy dolce is going to, to year two he's got a year under his belt with all of these weapons and he's getting a better coach. There's a lot of improvements here for Russell Wilson. He is one of my favorite people to draft. Anthony Richardson is as well, by the way. So my favorite quarterbacks to draft so far, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, I find them on a lot of my teams. Kirk Cousins, I find on a lot of my teams. And then when I'm either have a deep bench and I wanna pair somebody with Kirk Cousins, it's usually Anthony Richardson. Otherwise, if we're playing super flex, I'll have him as a QB2, Russell Wilson as a QB2. So those are the guys that I actually do have a lot of shares of. Then my next tier of quarterbacks, it's pretty big. It's my fifth tier. It starts off with Kenny Pickett at 16, ends with Kyler Murray at 23. Um, I'll just hit on a couple things I think people might think is crazy. Kenny Pickett at 16 might be one of those things. There is a huge misconception that he is a subpar passer. He is not. He is not. Okay. It's the vanilla offense and the terrible offensive line that was making him look like that. When he was calling his own plays in two minute drills at the end, in the fourth quarter, when the games were on the line, at the very end, when he had to make a comeback, their offense went right down the field and scored a touchdown, I believe in three games, he led touchdown winning drives. And he was calling the plays. He was doing quick, hurry up stuff. Let's go, let's do this, boom, got it. Next thing, boom, got it. Rolling out of the pocket, throwing on the run. Like he was doing well. And I had him as my QB1 in his rookie draft class that everybody was very down on, which I was too. But I did have Kenny Pickett as my number one in that class, not Malik Willis. And he is somebody that, you know, he's seeing some upgrades. They added a couple pieces on the offensive line. They have George Pickens going into year two. They have Pat Fryermuth going into year two, Najee, Najee is supposed to be completely healthy. Um, hopefully the plantar fasciitis, I think it was, that he was dealing with in his foot. Hopefully that's not going to affect him this year. So he's got a lot going for him. I think we're going to see an improvement. And that's a very good organization that always produces a good offense. So Kenny Pickett, I like it. Then I have Matthew Stafford at 17, Ryan Tannehill at 18, Aaron Rodgers at 19. I don't feel the need to really explain any of those things. And then Sam Howell at 20. Sam Howell at 20 is probably another one you guys are like, what? And because of these values right for me the difference is where I have Kenny Pickett ranked to where he's being drafted I have him at 16 he's drafted at like 25 or 24 or something I have a lot of shares of Kenny Pickett in superflex leagues like I will be drafting him as a QB2 as a QB3 for sure and Sam is going to be another one of those guys he's like basically the last quarterback drafted he does have a horrible schedule like absolutely horrible one out of five stars so that's not great oh that was also something hindering Daniel Jones by the way he has a horrible schedule, too. That The defenses in his division are just very, very scary. Um, but Sam Howell, he also has a very tough, same division, obviously, very tough schedule. But he runs the ball. He runs the ball a decent amount. I have him projected at 480 rushes for four rushing touchdowns, and that's going to f- keep him afloat. That and the combination of, or in combination with having guys like Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and Antonio Gibson... And Curtis Samuel in the passing game, like that's a good, um, that's a good surrounding group to have to throw the ball to. So Sam Howell for me at quarterback twenty, much higher than where other uh, other people have them. Sorry, I'm trying to like race through this because we're gonna get to the draft. But Sam Howell, he's somebody that I like too. Then I have Brock Purdy at twenty one, Jared Goff at twenty two. People might think that's really low. I I really have him projected almost the same as last year. So I, you know. I don't really see a reason that he's going to be like way better than last year. He was very good last year. I think he's going to be good again for the Lions. He's just not that great for fantasy. He doesn't run the ball, and they're not a high pass volume offense. If they pass the ball more, then he would be able to produce more. That's kind of like one of the differences between him and Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a better passer than what Jared Goff is, but not that much better. The big difference between a guy like Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff is that the Vikings are going to pass the ball 100 times more than the Lions, and Kirk Cousins also has better weapons. So Jared Goff is down at 22 for me. Kyler Murray at 23. Some people might think that's ridiculous. Well, the thing for Ky- the thing with Kyler for me is if he's not 100% coming back, being able to run the ball and threaten the defense in that way, I think he's going to be exposed as a passer. I don't think he's going to run nearly as much. I only have him at 350 rushing yards instead of like 700, which is where he's usually around, and three rushing touchdowns. And I think that's going to affect him a lot defenses are going to be able to play him differently. He lost DeAndre Hopkins. He lost AJ Green. Not that AJ Green was doing much, but he lost DeAndre Hopkins mainly. And maybe Zach Ertz. We'll see what happens with Zach Ertz. Um, he's supposedly back, but I'm not sure. And if he is back, it's from a horrible injury. And I don't know, at his age, I think he's like 34, if that's really going to help him or if he's like if it's going to help Kyler Murray. Then that that finishes out that tier for me. My last tier of guys, not going to really explain these except for probably one. C.J. Stroud at 24, Jimmy Garoppolo at 25, Dak Prescott at 26, we'll get back to that one, Bryce Young at 27, 28 is Derek Carr, 29 is Mac Jones, Jordan Love is 30, Baker Mayfield's 31, Desmond Ritter is 32, that finishes out the quarterbacks. Let's go back and talk about Dak. At quarterback 26 for me, I'm not drafting him anywhere. I am not touching this offense anywhere. They benefited from a good offensive coordinator last year and also a lot of plays. They ran a lot of plays that is going to come down. The people that are, I can't think of their names right now. I've just, I've done so much projections looking at so many coaches, all this stuff. It's hard for me sometimes to remember names, but the coaching staff in Dallas is not one that runs a lot of plays. Mike McCarthy, that's the head coach. From going, even going back to, to Green Bay, he didn't run that many plays with Aaron Rodgers, what you would expect, having one of the best quarterbacks in the, the league that is arguably the best. Some A lot of people like to argue, I never did, but a lot of people like to, and that he would be a first ballot Hall of Famer ta- type of guy, and yet you're not running that many plays. It, it just wasn't a thing. And same thing with their OC, who I think, uh, I don't want to say it just in case I'm wrong, I might be mixing teams. I know that he does not run a lot of plays, though. I just remember that because that was a big note, a big thing for me and why I'm down on the the Dallas offense, because, you know, they're losing their really good young offensive coordinator that they've had there for a few years that have helped their lose. They are in year two of losing Amari Cooper. Dak Prescott was not very good last year. He was all right. You know, he was good in spots, but he wasn't exactly what everybody wanted him to be. And now he's going to have a lot less plays. He has a horrible schedule because of that division, and if the run game is not as potent and as much of a threat, it might make it a little bit harder to pass the ball. He also lost Dalton Schultz. Adding Brandon Cooks could help him if Brandon Cooks is still Brandon Cooks. That's a question that we don't know the answer to as of right now, and that's why I'm low on Dak. I mean, really, it's it's losing over a hundred offensive plays. I mean, that's passing the ball 70, 60 less times than what he usually gets to do. I only have him down at 520 passes. He's one of the the quarterbacks in like that lower tier of passing attempts. I mean, you guys know the Saints love to run the ball. Derek Carr is projected at 530 pass attempts for me. Prescott's at 520. So I don't think they're going to have too much to work with. With that said, that is the quarterback rankings. We're going to take a brief hiatus, or I will rest my uh, throat, grab some water, and I'll be right back. We are going to go over how to draft from the number one spot in full 12 team PPR drafts. All right, guys, welcome back in. We are gonna go over how to draft from the one spot. Now, I do think strategies for drafting from spot one through four will be very similar. So I'm going to kind of attack it from an angle like that. And I'm going to go through a mock draft that I did for for you guys. Okay. And we're going to go to round 10. We're not going to go through an entire mock draft. I'm doing that for a specific reason. One, to keep the episode from being way too long. That's number one. And two, because I believe that it's better and easier to discuss a strategy from a position in like the 10, the first 10 rounds, because after that ADP is just so much whatever that you can kind of take the same guys in the same round anywhere in that round if you're just kind of grabbing them around early. So that's why we're going to stop at round 10. And then I will, I promise, have episodes about sleepers, guys to grab after round 10, stuff like that. So we will cover everything about fantasy football this year that I can that I can get to, but everything in terms of draft strategies from all the rounds, all that stuff. So we're going to draft from the one spot today. I'm going to go through everything. So I'll give you my top four players. It's going to be Justin Jefferson is probably my number one. Sometimes I'm feeling Kelsey, but Justin Jefferson, he's got zero concerns. Zero. Travis Kelsey, who's got one minor concern, age. Some people are worried about it. McCaffrey is going to be another guy that I think is worth that number one pick. So, so far we have Jefferson Kelsey. Now McCaffrey, his one concern is health. And then lastly, I would say the last person that is worthy of that top spot, you might think this is crazy, but Bijan Robinson, and it's because he has zero concerns. The only two guys that have literally zero concerns are just Justin Jefferson and Bijan Robinson. Now, if you want to take Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Saquon Eckler, that's fine. I think those guys have a concern of their own, like Chase, for example, let's get into Jamar Chase real quick. Chase has the concern of Joe Burrow's health. Tyreek has the concern of he had the best year of his career last year. Can he repeat that? Because he's going to have to if he wants to be worthy of a top pick like that. And also, to his health. Saquon has his own health concerns. And Eckler has an age concern because he is now 28. So he's at that. He's getting dangerously close to that running back cliff. So that's why I have my top four as Jefferson, Kelsey, McCaffrey, Bijan. And Chase was up there until Joe Joe Burrow got hurt. So for me, it was like a a nice top five where I thought, you know, this is like a very easy, clean top five to pick from. Now I'm a little bit different, moved Chase down. But with that said, we're going to draft from the number one spot and go into round 10. And at number one overall, your boy, Brandon, took Justin Jefferson. It's a very easy pick. He's got literally zero concerns. I know that I like some running backs in the the coming rounds, so at least one, I know I'm going to get at least one running back on the 2-3 turn, maybe two, we'll see, but I'm not a big fan of the wide receivers at the 2-3 turn. The wide receivers at the 2-3 turn are guys like T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, they're wide receiver twos and high powered offenses. But I don't want wide receiver twos and high powered offenses to be my wide receiver one or my wide receiver two when I don't have a running back yet. So for me, that's why I want to grab the wide receiver at one overall because I'm not a big fan of the wide receivers at the next set, the next couple picks that are available when you're drafting from this spot. Now, if you're drafting from a spot like four and Jefferson and Chase are gone and you want to grab a running back, by all means, because Garrett Wilson might make it to you. A.J. Brown might make it to you. Stephon Diggs or CeeDee Lamb might make it to you in that second round pick. But they're not going to make it to you when you're at 212, which is where you're at if you're at 101. So for me, I took Justin Jefferson. It's the easiest pick for me in my mind. And then when we get it coming back, you guys are going to think this is a super reach. This is way above his ADP. However, I don't care. He is my running back five. So Jameer Gibbs is who I took. Now, going back to Justin Jefferson real quick, something I forgot to mention. So I'm going to give you guys my VORP, my value over replacement, and how that works. So basically, we're going to fill out, as we fill out the starting lineup, I'm going to give you guys the VORP score, which is a plus or minus. If it is 0.0, that means you are projected to be perfectly average in your league and to have a team that goes 800, so like 7-6 or 6-7 now that it's like an uneven amount of games. Or is it 14 now? Maybe then 7 and 7 if it's 14. I forget. But if that's if it's 0-0. Zero, zero. So anything plus is good, minus is obviously bad. That means you're gonna have a below average team. So Justin Jefferson as your wide receiver one is going to give you a plus two point seven score because he's going to score 2.7 points more per game than the average wide receiver one you have to go up against that your other opponent that your opponent will be sporting. So Justin Jefferson at plus 2.7, I like that a lot. Then I take Jameer Gibbs in the second round. Only plus 0.6 as my RB1, because he's going to be my running back one. He's my running back five in rankings. He's a PPR machine outside of Amon Ross St. Brown. They have a rookie tight end, a wide receiver who has yet to see the field and is suspended for the first six games. And then Jameer Gibbs as their pass catchers. Jameer Gibbs is going to get a lot of work. I'm telling you that right now he is going to get a lot of work he will get more work than what deandre swift got last year and i think he will be just as good if not better in the running game because of mainly him staying healthy and not being beat up as as much as swift was all the time so jameer gibbs i i just expect a lot out of him i think he's going to be very good in ppr and he's my running back five so i took him here at two and then at three i have a little bit of a struggle right i have to decide because Ramondre stevenson is here which i don't know what happened but all of a sudden stevenson has dropped a little bit his adp was a little bit more around like the middle of the second round all of a sudden he is dropping to like the back of the second he dropped to me here and so i'm very much debating him at 301 but i'm also debating mark andrews mark andrews is usually who i end up with when i am at the turn in the top I usually take Mark Andrews in the third round at the top because he gives you a huge advantage. He's my tight end, too. He gives you a huge advantage that's plus 3.4. He is going to score Mark Andrews more points than anybody except for the person who has Kelsey, and when you're not facing the Kelsey owner, you're going to have a huge advantage overall, including Kelsey in the the data set. Mark Andrews is going to give you about 3.4 points more per week versus your average opponent's tight end. So that means, you know, and that's because it's it's skewed because of Kelsey. If Kelsey, if you're not facing against him, Andrews is going to get like five points more than the next best tight end, um, generally speaking. So Andrews is a huge advantage. However, if I grab Ramondre here, Ramondre will be my running back two, not my running back one. And Ramondre for me is ranked as my running back seven. So I'm looking at it and I know that at this point in the draft if you're in that the first four pick range you have a shot at Darren Waller on the four five turn sometimes he drops to the six seven turn that I doubt that's gonna happen we'll see but the four five turn that's usually a great spot to get him he's always there nobody ever takes him in the fourth so you can always take him at your 501 or 502 503 504 you know if you're at three four three two two three or four in your picks. Sorry. And, you know, that's that's something that I like a lot. I, I think Waller is gonna be very good. He's my tight end three, even though he's going as about tight end seven in drafts right now. He's my tight end three, so I like taking him a lot. And it kind of continues a tight end run, because usually in the fourth round is when like Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson all go. Then you take Waller at that like four or five turn range, and then all of a sudden like Fryermuth go off goes off the board. Uh, Kincaid goes off the board, or he doesn't. Not Kincaid. Um Muth and like sometimes Higby, sometimes a couple other guys. But it kind of you know you're hitting a middle of a run, but you're keeping the run going by taking Waller. So I like doing that, and he's my tight end three because I know that I have a shot at him. I'm going to take Ramondre here. So Ramondre Stevenson as my running back two is going to give me an advantage of three point five points per game more than the average running back two I'm gonna face off against. And that is why I took him over Andrews because Andrews' advantage in value over replacement in VORP, Andrews' advantage was 3.4, Ramondre's is 3.5. So that's what helped me make the cross positional decision. That's what I always talk about with VORP. It helps you choose between different positions who is gonna be more valuable for you and your team. So the combination of him having a higher VORP score and that Waller will be there for me next Turn is why I took Ramondre Stevenson. Now, if you want an elite quarterback, right, because I had a shot here at Jalen Hurts, if you want Mahomes and Allen went before, if you want to take Jalen Hurts here, which you guys know is my quarterback one, I don't blame you, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take Lamar or Fields. At the next turn because they're also going to be there so it's possible that at the next turn I might take Lamar or Fields with Waller and have two stud running backs in Justin Jefferson so we'll see how the board falls for me but I knowing that one of those quarterbacks are there if I still feel like I want to take an elite quarterback who's in that first tier for me which Lamar and Fields are then I am going to just wait a little bit because the position The positional advantage you're getting from Jalen Hurts, even though he's my number one, is only two points per game over the average quarterback one. So for me, it's not worth it at that spot. So I'm gonna take Ramondre. So now I've got Jefferson, Jameer Gibbs, and Ramondre Stevenson. I'll tell you, Jameer Gibbs is one of my most drafted players. I mean, I obviously took him at 212. He goes more around like the 3-4 turn, like the middle of the third, back of the third, sometimes slips into the fourth for me. I'll take him in the third every day. No problem. So at 2:12, basically the third round, I took him. Then I took Ramondre. Now, it gets back to me, and there are four names, or sorry, there are six names that are sticking out to me. Miles Sanders is one of them. He would be my running back three. Jerry Judy, who would be my wide receiver two. DeAndre Hopkins, who would be my two. Darren Waller is back, like I told you. Always happens. He's never gonna get taken in the fourth, so he's there back of course. And then we've got Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson. Um actually, nope, Lamar Jackson went. Lamar Jackson went three picks earlier. I just missed his name. So just Justin Fields is there though. So we've got Justin Fields, Miles Sanders, Jerry Judy, DeAndre Hopkins, Darren Waller. So this is the benefit of doing mock drafts. You have to know how the boards are going to fall, or at least be able to somewhat predict how the boards are gonna fall. I know, yes, I have two stud running backs already and I only have one wide receiver, but I know that I am not a fan of the running backs in rounds like five, six, seven, eight. Like I I don't really like the running backs in that range. I find myself liking the wide receivers in that range way more. I have so many guys. As like wide receiver twos that are available in those rounds, I don't have any running back twos available in those rounds. I think the ADP is so much more accurate on running backs right now than it is wide receivers. And running backs are generally easier to predict, and I'm always pretty good at predicting running backs when it comes to my projections and stuff. So for me, I trust my running back rankings more than I trust my wide receiver rankings. And also, I have a running back... Ranked inside the top 12 that's on the board here, that's Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is my running back nine. Jerry Judy, my wide receiver 13. DeAndre Hopkins, my wide receiver 14. Those are, you know, good options, ways I could pivot, but I know that I like a lot of wide receivers later that I'll be able to grab. And there's not much running backs after this. This is pretty much the end of the workhorse running back. The round four, round five is pretty much where you top out. And then you're looking at guys like, who I like a lot, Antonio Gibson, but you're also looking at guys like, you know, um, Rashad White in like the sixth round, fifth round, and he might be a might be a workhorse, but even if he is, he's like one of the worst workhorses in terms of efficiency because of the situation, and we probably won't be able to run that much plays as the books, so, you know, it's, it's kind of the end of the road here for workhorse running backs, so that's why I want to take mine. I'm taking Miles Sanders. So at 4-12, at the end of the fourth round, at the 4-5 turn, I'm taking Miles Sanders to be my running back three. So obviously we're using normal starting lineups here. So you got two starting running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, a flex, one quarterback, right? That's going to be our starting lineup that we use for all of our mock drafts for VORP scores purposes and just how to draft, right? So Miles Sanders is going to be my flex. So I have to compare him in VORP, his value over replacement. I have to compare him to You know, the best 12 guys after the top 24 at wide receiver and running back. So doing that, he's going to have an average of 3.2 points more per game than the average player that a team is going to put in their flex spot. So for me, plus 3.2, love it. I'll take Miles Sanders here. So I do that. And I get another workhorse running back. Now I'm set. I don't have to worry at running back. I don't have to be one of those guys in the fifth round, sixth round, seventh, eighth round, ninth round that is like, oh man. I only have one good running back, or I only have two running backs, like, I really need to grab one of these guys, I don't really like them that much, but I need to grab them, you know, Alexander Madison, like, no, no, like, I I don't want a guy who's just going to get volume that's not good, I want somebody who's good and gets volume, I've got three of them, Gibbs, Ramondre, Sanders, boom, it's perfect, if one of them goes down, I can move Sanders from my flex spot into my RB2 spot, no problem, and he's really an RB1 for me, he's my running back nine. So that was an easy decision for me. Miles Sanders is also another player that I have insane amount of shares of. I actually very popular move that I make, which we'll talk about at a different in a different future podcast, but I like going Jameer Gibbs, Miles Sanders at the 3-4 turn if you're in, you know, picking at like the 109-112 range. Um I like doing that a lot. I do do that a lot. So with that said, I've got my running back set now. I don't have to worry about running back. I know there's a lot of good wide receivers coming up in the next few rounds. And at in my fifth pick, I have to decide, all right, am I gonna take my wide receiver 13 in Jerry Judy or wide receiver 14 in DeAndre Hopkins? Or I'm going or am I going to pivot to a onesie position and take Darren Waller or Justin Fields? This is tough for me, but once again, I look at value over replacement to choose between Fields or Waller because I got a lot of wide receivers coming up in the next rounds that I know I'm gonna like. And is it possible that Waller makes it back to me? Yeah, he's probably not gonna make it back to me at the end of the sixth. He usually goes at like the top of the sixth or the middle, but you know, maybe he will, maybe I'll get lucky, but I know Fields 100% is not gonna make it back to me. And that's gonna be the end of my tier one quarterbacks. And when I'm looking at value over replacement, Darren Waller as my tight end one gives me plus 1.5. Justin Fields as my quarterback one gives me plus 1.4. So the VORP is almost the same, but there's a chance that Waller falls to me. And, you know, if he doesn't, I'll just punt tight end and go late on tight end. And... At quarterback, I don't want to lose out. I don't want to lose out on Fields. He has an amazing schedule. He's in my first tier. He has the potential to be the number one quarterback. So I'm going to take him. So I take Justin Fields here. So now my team shaping up after the fifth round, and now we we got to wait for all these people to pick before it gets back to me. Shaping up, looking like this. Justin Jefferson, my wide receiver, one. Jameer Gibbs, Ramondre Stevenson, and Miles Sanders are my three running backs. Two of them in the running back spots and one in the flex. And then I've got Justin Fields at quarterback. So the clock has gotten back to me. Now I'm looking at, ooh, Darren Waller made it. So we've got Darren Waller on the board. Other guys that I like, we've got Miles, or not Miles, Mike Williams on the board, who is my wide receiver 17. Honestly, I'm not even going to try to draw you guys out. That's Those are the two people I'm taking. The fact that Darren Waller fell to me at the end of the sixth is ridiculous. I will take that. He is my tight end three, the last tight end that will give you an advantage over an average opponent in Vorp because like I said 1.5 advantage for him everybody else every other tight end is either 0.0 or negative when it comes to what they're going to do against the average opponent's tight end so I got lucky he slipped but I'm not going to pass up on that opportunity so I'm going to take Darren Waller in the sixth and see that's the benefit of what I was just talking about about how Fields Waller I'm on the fence one of them might make it to me the other one definitely won't I'm going to take the one that definitely won't so I took Fields and it worked out perfect So, got Darren Waller now too. So, quarterback is done. Tight end is done. Running back, other than some depth at the end of the draft, is done because I've got three studs. Now I can just hammer wide receiver and it's perfectly timed with the rounds that are coming up because I love the wide receivers that are coming up. I'm going to take Mike Williams in the seventh round. People are sleeping on him. When he is 100% healthy, he is great. I am secured at every other position with stability so I can afford a boom bust guy top end running backs are consistent because of volume top end wide receivers might not always be consistent justin jefferson is but for the most part he had a couple dud games but for the most part he's pretty a pretty consistent elite wide receiver and i've got three running backs that are very consistent fields is consistent because of his rushing and darren waller because of his target share will be pretty good game to game so i've got a lot of consistent players in my lineup and that's going to lead me to you know feel comfortable taking Mike Williams, who is a boom bust guy, as my wide receiver too. Because the the weeks that he explodes, when he has like a 25, 30 point game, those weeks that, that are inevitable, that will come as long as he's healthy, when he's paired with everybody else I have, I'm winning that week. I'm winning that week. And when he doesn't do great, I've got enough studs and consistency elsewhere to make up for it. So I'm going to take Mike Williams. He's going to be my wide receiver too. That is... My wide receiver 17 in rankings, so I'm not really going to get much of an advantage of having him. He's just going to be plus 0.02. So my VORP doesn't really get better in my starting lineup, but he's the best wide receiver on the board for me. And obviously I neglected wide receiver. I filled everything else. So because of that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to just have a plus at every single position. Wide receiver, I might not be as good, but I'm going to have a lot of depth and a lot of good, solid, consistent guys. Because I already know guys that are going to be available for me when we get back. But I'm surprised that Mike Williams slipped this far. And now my starting lineup is complete. So I've got my two wide receivers. I've got my two running backs, Miles Sanders and my flex. Justin Fields as my quarterback. Darren Waller is my tight end. My starting lineup value over replacement score is 13.1. So plus 13.1. So my starting lineup on average, according to my projections, should score 13 points per game more than the average person that I have to play against. So that is beautiful. Love that. And you guys can remember this. So I'm drafting at the one spot and I got a 13.1 grade. So we'll be able to kind of see because of this, this grading system that I've put together over years and years. Because of that, we are going to be able to see this year where the best spot to draft is based off of how high my VORP scores are for my starting lineups. So now we're getting back to my pick. I am looking at the eight, nine turn. And like you guys know, I had to slam wide receiver. There are two wide receivers on here that I have ranked far above the others, not even close. One of them is my wide receiver 25. One is my wide receiver 36. All the guys above that are, are gone. So I've got my 25 and 36 on the board and then everybody else on the board is after that. So I'm gonna take those two guys. And one of them is Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm taking him at 812. He's my wide receiver 25. He's a perfect complement for Mike Williams. If Mike Williams goes down or has a bad matchup, Juju is a slot wide receiver. He will be consistent game to game. Most slot wide receivers are because you don't really shut down a slot wide receiver. That's not something that really happens too much. Um, So you don't shut down the slot. And you also don't, especially if it's not, you know, the number one player, um, cause you, you can't really like double the slot very easily. So you're, you're not shutting down the slot. So it's pretty consistent game to game. And just generally speaking, like it is one of the more consistent ways to have a wide receiver because I will have, hopefully if I have time for it, I will have an episode coming up in the far future. Cause we got to get through, you know, all the positions and all that stuff first, but I should have an episode called consistency Kings. I do it every single year except last year, but every other year I do it. And I put together the most reliable week-to-week players, and slot wide receivers are usually at the top of that list. That means they don't give you bad games, they don't give you duds, it's very... Um, few and far between that they're giving you like less than eight points. You're usually in PPR getting at least eight, 10 points from your slot wide receivers that are good. So Juju is one of those guys. He's the wide receiver one and the target number one on his offense. So I love him. He's my wide receiver 25. And yet somehow he's available in the wide receiver 40 range in round eight. So I'm taking him. Then at 901, back to back with Juju, I'm taking Wide receiver 36, who also happens to be a slot wide receiver, and his name is Michael Thomas. The fact that him and Juju are here is atrocious. Juju should be a sixth-round pick. Michael Thomas should not be far behind that. He should be around seven. Michael Thomas last year was a round six pick, and we didn't know about his health. Now we're thinking that his health is better, and he's going in round nine. Is it just because of Chris Olave? I love this value. I love this value. He's a slot guy. He's got start potential if he out-targets Olave. And I know we all want Olave to explode, but it might not happen this year. We don't know what Carr is going to want to do. We don't know if he's going to target Michael Thomas or Chris Olave more. But I can tell you that Michael Thomas had about eight targets per game in his three games last year. And yes, he is risky. But that's what I'm trying to explain to you in the consistency that I've built in this lineup, and especially with Juju. It's okay to take a risk with Mike Williams in the seventh round, and it's okay to take this risk with Michael Thomas. So I feel good about it. And there's a lot of, you know, late round, post round 10 wide receivers that I'm very comfortable drafting. So I'm not worried about that either. And we'll have an episode for those guys. But Michael Thomas is going to be my wide receiver for here, and he has potential as like a a top-end wide receiver, too. I don't think he returns back to, like, a top-12 wide receiver type of numbers because of Olave being there. But, you know, Kamara's kind of getting getting old and hasn't been looking that good, been kind of rusty. There's, there's a possibility that Thomas is the number one target and has, like, 160 targets. That can happen. I don't have it projected, obviously. That's why he's my wide receiver, 36. But people are just really sleeping on him. So, for me, I like him a lot. I'm drafting him as my wide receiver, 4. And then... While I've been talking this whole time, we've gotten back to my, my pick. So Kendra Miller is going to be my pick in round 10. It's a little bit of a reach, but when you're bookended at the top or back of a draft, you have to reach on the guys that you like. Kendra Miller is one of those guys. I stand by what I said on the New Orleans Saints podcast, projection podcast about, what is it, like two days ago now? I stand by it. I really believe that Kendra Miller has league winner potential. When Alvin Kamara comes back, you have to be patient, okay? Don't drop him. If you draft Kendra Miller after the first three games when Kamara is suspended and then he comes back, do not drop Kendra. Even if like two games, three games pass and Kamara's just like just dominating everything, do not drop him. Alvin Kamara was getting dropped in his rookie season when he was the running back three on the depth chart behind Adrian Peterson and Mark Ingram. If you guys are doing that to Kendra Miller, he has a very similar path to greatness just like Kamara did he's got a big name older running back in front of him Alvin Kamara and a plotter strong running back that people might use at the goal line Jamal Williams he's the only one on this team now the only running back that's young spry quick explosive he's been running really good and impressing the coaches a lot in training camp the reviews are coming in really hot Kendra Miller, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, you need to draft him. He is one of my most drafted players. So we've got actually a slew of most drafted players on this, this roster. So Jameer Gibbs, I told you, he's one of my most drafted players. Through I've done so many mock drafts now. Jameer Gibbs is on a lot of my redraft teams. Miles Sanders is on a lot of my redraft teams. Darren Waller is on a lot of them. Mike Williams, Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas, and Kendra Miller. The last five picks, all of them are on a lot of my redraft teams. And you're gonna see that if you build a a plan in your mind of the guys that you like to target, the ones that you have that are available in the later rounds, you're gonna have a lot more shares of because it's a lot easier to get them at the top of the draft it's more dependent on where you're picking on whether you're going to get certain guys but the later you get the less that's a factor and it allows you to get your guys a lot more you just got to be willing to stand by your beliefs and take them around higher to guarantee that you get them Kendra Miller is usually going in the 11 12 range and I took him in 10 because I don't care so I I didn't want to risk him not coming back to me since I'm on a turn right now so with that said that is the podcast the starting lineup Gives me 13.1 VORP, but Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas, Kendra Miller on my bench, loving it, loving those guys as bench guys. I mean, thinking, just think about it. I mean, you can sub in with this roster that I have, three superstar running backs, like stud running backs, Justin Jefferson, a very good tight end, a very good quarterback. I can sub in a wide receiver one in the slot who's consistent week to week on a On an NFL offense, who's the number one target in the offense? And Judas Smith Schuster. I can sub in Michael Thomas, who by all means is a top wide receiver when he's healthy, and then Kendra Miller, who is going to sit on my bench. And if he explodes, he's going to be a like huge piece in a run because he'll be my running back four, right? But if somebody goes down, he can be in my lineup as a running back three, or he will give me the uh, flexibility to trade him or trade other guys other stud running backs to upgrade to maybe Travis Kelsey like trade one of these stud running backs if Kendrick goes off pair them with Darren Waller and trade up to Kelsey and give myself an even bigger boost in my starting lineup so there's a lot of possibilities here I like this lineup a lot you guys may not but these are my guys so th- this is drafting from the one spot the strategies that go along with it thank you guys for tuning in until next time peace